When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. I know where I want this party to go. I know where I want this set to go. I know where I want this playlist to go, right? So for me, it's never about the next song. It's about like a couple things down. And so that's for me the same thing I try to do when we're working with startups. To thrive in a rapidly evolving landscape, brands must move at an ever-increasing pace. I'm Matt Britton, founder and CEO of Suzy. Join me and key industry leaders as we dive deep into the shifting consumer trends within their industry, why it matters now, and how you can keep up. Welcome to the Speed of Culture. Up today, we're going to be speaking with a longtime personal friend, DJ, speaker, investor, and advisor, Mick Batiski. Mick, great to see you, brother. How are you today? Man, I'm great, man. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's been way too long. I know we've been trying to get this together. You've obviously have had a busy summer, which we're going to talk about, but I'm super excited to finally get you on the Speed of Culture podcast. We're going to start by getting to know a little bit more about you. You've had really a, you know, a storied ascent to where you are today, lots of different experiences that make up who is Mick. I uh, would love to hear a little bit about that story. Well, you know, for me, Matt, interesting, it took me a long time in life to really realize what my purpose was like occupationally. And it, for me, it was just like, DJing was something I've done since college in order to like, A, fulfill a creative expression, but also to pay my bills. And I looked at DJing as like the main thing of what I did. And then what happened was in the middle of my 30s, I'm 44 now, I realized DJing was just kind of like the output of what my true skill, which was, which was just literally just like being me, which is like very cliche, I guess, to say these days of just like the, your personal brand and the brand of you and all of that. But for me, it's like literally been, been the truth. And, and by that, I mean, like my whole career, as you know, I've managed my own career, I've marketed in my own career, I've done my own PR, I've done my own literally everything, good and bad. And so what, what I've come to realize was my actual job and my actual skill set my entire life has actually just been around putting the best version of myself out there. DJing was just the first touch point that people had of me as that. And it took me, I wish I would have realized that a little bit sooner in life, to be honest with you. It kind of took the birth of my son for me to really do a deep dive and figure that out. 
But once I did that, the whole world started opening up to me in many different avenues because I realized that the same skill set and the same thought process and the same relationships and you know creativity that I used to create my, my DJ career, I can use it in a, in a million other ways and a million other avenues. So you talked about your, your son being born and obviously you realize that from a career perspective, you know, being a DJ and you've told me this in the past requires you to jump on planes and be out late nights, et cetera. And, you know, you know, now you have a family and you obviously had to rethink things. Where did you get your inspiration from to understand how to leverage your DJ career, so to speak, into other areas? And what are some of those other areas? Eventually in life, you get to a point where you realize what you're not, right? And that's so much more important than, than what you are. And when you hone in on what you're not, you're able to actually see that what you are is a lot stronger. And for me, you know, let, let's use DJing, for example, but you could really apply this to any creative medium or maybe any, any medium in general. For me, I started questioning a lot of things about my career, why they weren't happening. Like, why am I not doing festivals? Or why, when I go on Twitter and say I'm spinning tonight, why don't a thousand people show up when I have all these followers and all the, like, and why are these things that happen for other people not happening for me? And I started to really, you know, I went through a little frustration with it, even a little dep depression about it. And what I realized was like, that's actually not what my path was ever supposed to be. The reason I got my career in the first place was simply because I have a career that people, they find me through more human relationships. They find me more through uh, brand relationships. They find me more from coming to me and just connecting with me just on, on a really holistic level, whether they love the music or they love the conversation we had at a dinner party or we met in an elevator and they liked my shoes or we had some rent. All my opportunities have never come from being a known DJ or being quote unquote wanting to be famous or anything like that. Everything has come from me simply because of like how I live my life who I live my life around, who I live my life with. And so when I realized that, I was like, let me lean into the opportunities that can come from that, which are like being the best DJ, quote unquote, for people who like what I like and people who are into the other things that I'm into and people who want to just live their life with the same sort of like morals and standards and values of which how I do. And so once I, once I kind of zoomed out, and I actually zoomed out wouldn't even be the right word, it'd more be like zoom out and then zoom back in somewhere else, right? Like I zoomed out on what I thought I was supposed to be doing because I'm a DJ and I zoomed in on just like what I'm supposed to be doing as me, right? And, and so I started getting all sorts of opportunities with investment opportunities and just like expanding my circle and, and people. It just changed my entire life, man, because I was able to like be around people who appreciated all the things I brought to the table and didn't degrade me for the couple things I did not bring to the table. So it's really interesting when you say that, Mick, because I think a lot of young people, they look at influencers and they look at these big follower numbers or fan numbers, and they obviously, you know, the first thing they do is compare it to themselves. And what it, I think it's doing is sending a lot of young people through the, you know, down the wrong path. And really, it's sending them down the path of quantity over quality, right? People try to collect friends as almost like some sort of point value or point system. And they think that if they have enough of them, they're going to be able to advance to the next level. But as you and I both know, that's not really how life works. And instead, it's really about the quality of your relationships, who those people are, what is the context of your relationship, and how you can help each other. And it sounds like you kind of went through that journey yourself, where you're in a world you know, of DJs where... There are a lot of quote unquote famous people and they may have a lot of, you know, have a big high level popularity, but maybe they don't have those 
high quality touch points that will allow them to do some of the things that you're doing. So I think it's really an interesting lesson to sort of extract from your journey that took you some time, but maybe for other people, maybe they can, that are listening to this, they can learn that it's really not about trying to go for being famous. It's about really those long lasting relationships. And it seems that those are definitely serving you. I mean, I've spoken to many people in the tech industry who know you well, where you will, you'd have their company party or something like that. And all of a sudden an opportunity will arise. And is that sort of how you're finding a lot of these opportunities surface? Yeah. For me, I just kind of like tried to create a, like a spider web, if you will, where everything kind of connects. And I want to be able to be the guy that can kind of like B. It's funny in school, I never got a lot of A's. I got a lot of B pluses, but I was able to just like, kind of like phone it in and be present in a bunch of different places and get a B or B plus versus like really, really like lean in and zoom in and get an A. And it's kind of like the same thing I've done in my career, meaning that like, okay, I don't need to be the, the best DJ. I don't need to be the best at anything, but I could be pretty good at a bunch of things and find ways to make them all work for me. So when you zoom out and get the report card, the the GPA is very, very good just come from a bunch of different sources. And that's exactly kind of like what I try to do. And, and I, you know, I'll give you a great example. Like I spoke on a panel at a, at a finance conference a couple weeks ago in, in uh, California, and then they ended up needing somebody to DJ an, an event for them. So I ended up DJing that, but then I was able to invite to that party, uh, the two founders of a company that I'm advising, they were able to meet great people at that. So like, it's just like, it's just, it's a matter of like taking one thing that's not connected to this thing, putting it with this thing that's not connected and putting everybody in a room together. And then the best part is, of course, I'm playing music. So at the end of the day, all of these people that I've met from all walks of my life uh, who have never met, they're all drinking and laughing, having a great time together. And I'm creating this environment for them to do that, but I'm enhancing my life and their lives in multiple different ways. And I'm, that's kind of like the weirdness of what I get to do. And I love it. Absolutely. And I think one thing that, you know, you do such a good job at, you talk about, you love playing music for people and a big part of that and a big part of understanding who to connect is you essentially being a curator. The other day you tweeted out um, or put on Instagram, a, a fall mix on Spotify. And I don't trust my own music curation skills, but I certainly trust yours. And I immediately played it and it's been on heavy rotation in the Britain household for the last week or so. And, you know, your ability to do something like that is something that really can't be taught. And the question I have for you is, how did you learn how to curate sounds to actually meet a mood or meet an environment? And what work goes into that on, on a daily basis to make sure that you stay fresh? That's a great question. So there's two, there's two ways I would answer it. One is for how, how I learned it. Actually, is the I, I learned that skill in almost in the opposite way of staying fresh, meaning that when I was a kid and I was growing up loving music and listening to music, my curation is rooted in nostalgia, which doesn't mean necessarily that the music is old, but it just means how I consumed music as a kid was so different than how my kids and my kids, my one kid, I don't believe there's another kid, <laughs> a couple of years, maybe, and your kids would consume music, right? And that like, it was, I was so sick. I, the way I fell in love, with, let's go back even further. The way I fell in love with music, and I played a lot of instruments as a kid as well. The way I fell in love with music it taught me to like singularly like hear and see music in my head in a way, if that makes sense. So when I would a Pearl Jam song in 92 or a Snoop song in 94 or a Tupac song in 96 or a Neptune song in 2001, for example, like I remember like it shows itself visually in my brain. It's not like those people that can literally have that. There, there are people that literally see music as colors. I don't Mine doesn't go that far. There's a there's a scientific term for that, but I'm probably like right before you get to that on that spectrum 
of just like how I, how I see music and how it makes me feel. I just kind of have like this weird mapping system of my, in my brain. And then, so, you know, when I started DJing, this was all the way before I was like DJing, I was able to just like lean on that and put things together from a vibe perspective that I think makes sense. And then when I coupled that with the fact that I grew up playing instruments, I was able to kind of put that together in a really like logical and musical way. And I think also when I DJ, a lot of times DJs get restricted by the boxes we put ourselves in as far as genres and also even BPMs. You just think like, oh, I have to play 22 songs in a row that are 128 BPMs or I have to play, if I'm playing a 98 BPM record, I can't go faster, I can't go slower, I got to stay. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't play off of BPM. I play off of vibe and does the song make sense with the song before it. I have enough DJ tricks in my toolkit to get to get you to stay on the dance floor from any tempo change I need to go. I can go from a slow jam to a house song to a rock song to a funk song. It, none of those tempos make sense, but I can make that work. For me, it's just like I see the, the, the bridges between those songs. And so that for me is kind of like my secret sauce on that. And you spend a lot of time in record stores and like listening to, you know, very abstract types of music and things that we have normal people hadn't heard of. Like, how are you discovering some of these new tracks? My favorite ways to discover it are honestly the same ways as um, everybody else now. It's like Spotify playlist, you know, things like that. I also love like, you know, Shazam. You know, I love being in a coffee shop and hearing something like really cool that I've never heard before. And now they got like the little secret function on your phone so you can shazam without standing there holding up the blue screen which is great you can add it to your little control center or whatever so i'm in there going nuts like but it's not so much what happens for me it's like more like the happenstance of life it's not necessarily that particular song that i hear in there that is the one that influences me but that sets me on the journey of finding the other other stuff like there's actually a song on that fall playlist you referenced that i actually did hear in, in my local coffee shop. And I was like, what is this? And like, you know, she wouldn't tell me, so I shazammed it. But then I discovered so many other random things from that. And then that sets the mood. That actually inspired me to do that playlist, that hearing that person's song, believe it or not. I came home and I was like, this song feels like fall. And I was like, I'm going to make an entire playlist off of that. And the weather was changing and everything. But the other thing I do is I just stay in touch with a lot of different DJs and a lot of really creative people. people some people older than me, some people younger than me. And what I like to play in my sets is I try to very rarely, if I'm playing something new or popular, I try to find a, an alternative version of it to play, whether it's a really cool remix or a cool mashup, even though we don't use that term anymore, but like the general populace like still does. And, you know, or a really cool edit or a version or, or something to really, really make it more unique and make it really, really interesting, right? And but by doing that, it gives my sets a, um, a unique DNA, because nowadays, you know, also as a DJ, this is not really this is a side of what you're saying, but I think it's really relevant. Our competition as, as DJs and as curators aren't other DJs anymore. It's every person in the world because every person in the world could make a really dope playlist and play it at their party and just choose not to hire me. And I, so I have to, I have to think that through now. So like, if you want to hear the same 40 songs that you want to hear, I'm going to come through your party and play those same 40 songs. How can I make myself stand out when I play, you know, those same songs for you? So what versions of them can I play? What things can I do live while I'm DJing? Or can I change the beat? Or can I change the words? Or can I flip this live? Or can like, I've even had clients tell me they want to hear stuff and I'll go through and we'll remix some stuff before the event. I mean, this obviously depends on the budget too. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to go to it, but like if it's somebody or a client that's really important to me, like I want to give you exactly 
what you want, but told through my lens and told through my musical goggles. And so, yeah, so I think it's important to have differentiation because what's anybody could just play a playlist. And honestly, dude, 95% of the people are at the party are going to be just as satisfied with that at this point. Like people are just like, oh, I'm hearing my favorite songs. I'm having a good time. So like, what can I do to elevate that? That's what I take very seriously in my job. Absolutely. I mean, and I think music is so important. You kind of mentioned this in terms of setting a vibe, setting an overall mood. It really even has a greater importance in terms of its impact on broader trends in society. We had Marcus Collins, who's the chief strategy officer of, of Wheaton & Kennedy, you know, who's done all the Nike work, et cetera, just talking about culture, how culture is built. And he used to work for Beyonce and, and her digital team in the early ages of her career. Uh, you know, when you look at the brands that you're working with, because you've worked with everybody from Airbnb to Cadillac to MasterCard, uh, GQ, even done some work with NBA 2K, one of my favorite video games. Are you speaking with these brands in terms of where you think their brand and their brand ethos sort of mixes with music? How are your collaborations with brands structured? It's all across the board. And for somebody also to say, like, I think Marcus is one of the most, like, I'm a huge fan of that guy. I think he's incredible. So like, I just want to put that on the record. I think like the way he connects, like, culture with 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 everything it's just he's got a book coming out you have to check out in may we'll send you a copy of it on his behalf yeah yeah on his, on his behalf. Actually, very few people see it as well as he sees it but anyways yeah you know i think for me it's just like you know first of all i try to work with brands that get it first and foremost that's like the first level of it because like you can't really sometimes teach an old dog new tricks in a lot of ways and so sometimes there are people that it's just like it's not worth trying you know secondly depending on what the opportunity is. Sometimes I don't try at all. Sometimes I just have to kind of just like eat it, man. And just be like, you know what, I'm just going to do the best I can with the constraints you give me. But to your point where the real magic happens is the, the third option of that, which is where we can say, hey, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Is it whether it's for a game or whether it's for a party, whether it's for, uh, you know, sending playlists out to your consumers and to your audience? Like, what is it that you think you sound like? And this is what I think you should sound like. And maybe we can meet in the middle. And it's never 100% what I, what I want. And it, but my best example of it is if we could get somewhere in the middle where I can improve it. I just want to, I don't need you to do what I'm doing. I just need to, I just want to improve it at what, what you're doing. And that's good enough for me because that's going to give your audience a better situation. And I've seen that happen through music. I've seen that happen through influencer partnerships. I've seen that happen through all sorts of things. Like I've done brand partnerships with, I did a brand partnership with a huge auto automobile company. This is maybe seven, six, seven years ago. And they, the first time I did some content for them, I was, they gave me this, you know, they give you the brand Bible, Matt. They give you like the whole list of all this shit, but uh, you know, all these things. And I'm just like, man, this sucks. Like, this is like brutal. Like, this doesn't feel like me at all. It's putting you in a box, right? Yeah. It doesn't allow you to be an, ar an artist or exercise your creative juices. It was, yeah, it was, it was bad. And I mean, it, it, we did it the best we could and it turned out okay. But I was, and I was grateful. I mean, I got paid, like I got the car, like it was great. It was fine. But like, I, I wasn't like, it, it wasn't, just didn't feel like me, you know, we all make sacrifices and stuff. And so the second time around, I started pushing it a little bit more. And by the third time around, I just was like, do you, they, we had, when we, once we reached a real level of comfort, I said, do you trust me? And they said, yeah. And I was like, let me do this my way. And they were like, okay. And I did it completely my way and they loved it. It just took some trust and it took some, you know, some honesty and transparency on both sides, but we reached a point. And so now I try to use that as like, what I think my goal should be with it, with every partnership in that, like, I have to like, 
social media influencing, I don't like the word influencer at all. I think it's pretty corny, but like, I understand that that's the word that people use for it. But you know, for me, it's just like, it, it, you have to be able to tell people your real, the real version of, of your life. People know, people are in on the joke. Like people know you're getting paid to sit around in some sweatpants on your stoop next to a pumpkin. And I only know I'm saying that because I'm making that post next week. But like, the thing is like, what can I do to make it a little bit different? Whether I involve my kid in it or whether I make a little joke or whether I just like, like if nobody, everybody knows you're, you're, why you're posting it. You write ad in the post. Everybody, like this is like a really real thing, right? So let people know that they're in on the joke and let's, instead of making them in on the joke, let's bring them into the world. And, th- and that's what I try to do. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. And, you know, you, you mentioned your son, Miles, who's, I think, six years old now. And I remember seven now. And, you know, you've done really an amazing job in terms of authenticity, talking about your journey as a parent and your relationship with your son. Talk to us about, you know, that relationship and why you felt it was important to kind of integrate him into your overall image and some of the work that you do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could talk about him for days, mm-hmm. as most fathers could about their kids and moms as well. Like, I mean, for starters, like he's just the North Star to everything I do, right? Like, it's not a secret that I figured out what my life and my career should be when my son was born. It's not a secret that all these other opportunities started happening both in my brain and in my network and in my world when I started like living for something uh, bigger and better than me. And I I don't take any of that for granted. Um, But what I started to realize was rather than, you know, like make my son like what's the expression like fit in or fit out there's like a there's like a fancy expression people use but rather than like square peg in a round hole yeah 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 yeah. like rather than try to create like a an alternate life where like i have my home life and then i have my work life and then i have my kid life and all that i was just like i don't want to live a compartmentalized life like i'm not like my dad or your dad where we had these like different stories and these different like these different industries and the whole different worldview like we live in a world where we can we can kind of have all of that at one time. Not everybody of our generation can, but we're fortunate that we can. So why not just involve my son? I bring my son to events, bro. 
Like I, he was, he was at a, he, he, like, you know, he was at an event with me like last week, just chilling on the stage. And sometimes he gets up and he's getting to see that. My dad would take me to like, when he put in carpet and tile, that's what my dad did. And I remember seeing that. And I realized like my son didn't really understand. The second part of this is my son didn't understand hard work, right? He didn't know he's learning it now. He didn't because I don't have a job that's like manual labor like my dad did, where you would see my dad put in tiles brick by brick or sheet by sheet or whatever and build a wall and build a bathroom. And, or because I didn't like, I'm not like a doctor where like I'm like, I could save this person's life. You could meet him. He really didn't grasp what it is that I did. He just knew it was fun. And so I was like, let me show you really goes into like these two hours of fun. So all of these calls, all these podcasts, you could sit with your little Nintendo Switch on this chair that you can't see on the camera and sit there with me all day and watch everything I have to do. You could come with me to these lunches. You could come with me, you know, when I'm on a call, when I'm walking you to school, like you could see all of these things. And then I said, then when I go and I say, I do all of that just to get to the part where you can go see me have fun for two hours. And then he was just like, oh. And so once he started appreciating that, he just started wanting to be around a lot more. So brands um, started just noticing us like together at things and on social and all of that. And, and so then we started getting um, opportunities to collab together, which was really a beautiful thing. How cool is that? And you guys wrote a book, right? D is for DJ. Yeah, yeah. It's right there on the wall for if we abuse the end of this video. So tell us about that. Sure. Uh, you know, I just really think that our world now is so different. And I just think like, you know, any kid with the Beatles were to like, our grandparents and our parents like tribe called quest was to us and and drake is going to be for everybody else and, and so i didn't think hip-hop should be like compartmentalized as far as like an educational tool and you know it's not really anymore but like everybody's wrote these books about like rappers and and, and all these other things and sneakers and out and, and basketball players for like kids books but nobody did it from a dj culture perspective and i just thought like you know, every kid's going to say they want to be a rapper, but none of them are going to be a rapper. But any kid that wants to be a DJ could literally be a DJ and still go on to do a million other things in their life. And so I was like, let's give them some of like the fundamentals of the, of the culture and, and the history of it in a way where they could literally be two or three years old learning the alphabet, but learning about how many books do we need where it's like M is for Michael Jordan or L is for Llama. Like we have seen these books a million times and they're great. But I was like, what would be the evolution of that? told through like i only know one way to live and, that, and the way i live is what's provided my life for my son so if that if this culture and this gift was able to give me this life for my son i was like i wanted to share that with, with somebody else to you know for for their family and so yeah so it, it's cool incredible so we're going to shift gears a little bit to just the music industry in general and and what you're seeing out there you're at every big event i've been to whether it's been ces south by southwest and i know you've done a bunch of gigs for me there or you know can you know the super bowl the nba you're there and you're spinning uh the biggest parties for the biggest brands and celebrities so there's very few people in the world that you know have a front row seat to the evolution of culture and music the way you do so what are you seeing evolve in the music space, whether it's with social media or, you know, rising types of formats um, or even artists that you think are going to be big heading into 2023? Well, a bunch of things. I mean, for starters, though, it's like it's almost like a played out topic at this point. I think, you know, the, the, the music and, and the NFT situation is just beginning to it's just and it's like baby moment right now. I don't think we even know what it's going to be. I, I think it's I think it's in its Napster moment where we're still trying to like, we don't even know what the 10 year Spotify, it's on everybody's day to day life plan is. It's still confusing to some people. It's still new. It's still 
there's barriers and people don't understand it. And some people are in, some people aren't. And, but it's going to be ultimately where everything that's out. So like, that's kind of like the, the, the mindset I've taken and that, you know, what's good if, if we're in the Napster moment of it now, what's going to be the iTunes moment of it. And then more importantly than that, what's going to be the Spotify title, like what's going to be the everyday, every use case moment for it. Because when we get to that point, it's going to be fascinating. But like, you know, that's definitely, I think the main thing is this, I, mean, I get, I get worried when people think it's not going to happen because it's definitely going to happen, but it's just a matter of, you- well, you know how it is, Mick. I mean, like, you know, we were both around, you know, during the dot-com crash and there was people who wrote off the internet and then, you know, there's people who wrote off crypto, there's people who are writing off NFTs. And what happens is when things are new, they get super popular. Everybody jumps in, it becomes inflated, the bubble bursts, and then the real work begins. And the real people who really know what they're doing, who aren't in it for a quick buck, that want to put down the right roots and technology and take the the able amount of time that it really does take to build something with staying power, then that work begins. And it could be 5, 10, 15 years later, and then you have these transformational things. And it's those people who have been there all along that are the ones that are going to really make the wealth from it. And that's just generally what happens with, I've seen this happen over and over and over again, is that everybody thinks that these things happen overnight, and they don't. Trends happen overnight, but sustainable business you know, uh, movements take can take decade or decades to, to really impart on the mass public. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's definitely, I think the phase that we're in right now with that. And like, you know, you, you said it, you said it best. I think you say like transformational, like it's going to, that's where ultimately it's going to go. It's just going to be, and I don't think it's going to be a 10 to 15 year thing, like some of the past technologies, because I think as we move forward, if through everything that, that window gets smaller and smaller. And if it took streaming and MP3s a good, you know, 15 years to get from Napster to like Spotify on everybody's phone, this is going to take five, if that, you know, and then whatever the next thing is, is going to take two or three. So yeah, there's that. That's the one thing I, I noticed. The other thing I noticed is that. I, How about TikTok? What are you seeing TikTok doing for the music industry? And how's that impact it? I mean, I think, I think, I think it's fascinating because for, for one of two reasons. One, I think it's just fascinating from a musical discovery point of view that people are discovering music from TikToks and reels and people are creating literally short form musical content, not for radio or streaming or clubs or parties or, or listening to in the car. They're literally just taking bite-sized things just, just for people to use. And I know like it's been fascinating watching the rise of the TikTok producer or the Reels producer, people who get big, just remixing samples in just little 60 second bite-sized increments that just have a good little energy and vibe. And it's so fascinating too, from a rights perspective, because they're definitely not clearing any of that stuff. So I don't know how that all works, but it's really interesting. And that, and that will ultimately, that's going to all come back around on, on everybody. But I think that's really, really fascinating in, in that regard. And I think the other thing I think is really interesting is like, obviously we've seen it, what ha- happened with so many artists from the past that have gotten these random lightning striking moments 20, 30 years later because of TikTok where somebody is just like, oh, this random song from 1984 or 1992 becomes huge again. And then what? I, and, and then all of a sudden their Spotify streams spike and their Apple streams spike and their YouTube streams spike. And then who knows, maybe they, maybe their tours spike. And like, it's just, it's fascinating how whatever, like the newest of the new culture can go back and impact like the old school culture stuff that continues to like build and bubble and inspire. And then it could kind of keep going around in circles and circles. And maybe that inspires the next musician that could, that same thing could happen. It's just, it's really cool. I like that for all we call it, like just like 
new and we're not looking backwards and all that. There's still so many people from the past that are reaping the benefits of this technology and perhaps getting career extensions from it. And I, and I think that's really cool. And I don't, you know, I, I love, I love that aspect. So I just think for me, it's just like, I think it's fascinating. It's a device where you could learn. And by device, I don't mean like a mechanical device. I mean like a mental or emotional device where you can learn both new things and old things at the exact same time. And it, and it's, it synergizes perfectly. That was great. We're going to move on to our final topic and just talk about you being an investor. You know, a lot of people dabble in seed investments. Uh, I know that you've made quite a few. You know, you talked a little bit earlier about how some of these investments come together through some of your personal relationships. What is it about, you know, being a seed investor that you're gravitate towards? And, and what is sort of your role with some of these companies that you do invest in, in terms of how you have value? Sure. Thank you for asking. I love, I love, I love talking about that. You know, for me, uh, I enjoy finding like, great people who are doing really unique things and identifying their promise very early. I look at investing very similar to like how I would look at uh, curating a mixtape or how a, a label A&R person would look at putting together their label roster or helping piece together an album. I think like you never know what the finished product is going to be, but you know how it's going to start, right? And so it, it means that the person and the team around that have to be good enough to get that I'm going to I mean, say album on purpose right here to get that album from an idea in a studio to, to a finished product that everybody can enjoy. That's perfect. Right. Or as perfect as what we think perfect can be, because there's no perfect. And that to me is, is what I think is so important that people, people neglect when, when they're doing angel investing or seed investing or even venture capital for in, in a lot of ways. It's like, can that person you're investing in the person, not the idea. And there's been a few times where I, I went against my gut and, and, and went, past the person and looked at the idea and that did not go very well. But then there's been multiple times where I looked at the person and I was just like, Oh man, I would, I'm like, I'm in love with the person. Like they're fantastic. They're just an amazing human being. I want to have drinks with this person. I want this person to be friends with my family. I want like, you know, I want to introduce this person to other, when you meet somebody who's that great and you believe in them, you just like, that's how, you know, right. And I have, I've been fortunate to meet some really amazing people that, that I was able to get behind. That's one way I look at it. The other thing is like from an investing point, And also we do, uh, my, my wife and I do a lot of this together now, which is great because she's an amazing founder and she's an amazing operator as well. I have to shout out her company, tiny organics, the best baby food company ever. But yeah. So like the one thing, you know, that's really cool is even if I don't have, even if I don't in, in invest in, in you right now, I could still potentially offer value by, you know, being on a board or advising or things of that nature. And what I try to do for me, it's just like, I'm really good at brand. I'm really good at relationships. And I'm really good at kind of like seeing a couple slots down the field, if you will. Like as a DJ, my brain, the thing that people don't realize about DJs, right, is you think we're, when we're queuing up that next song that we're getting ready to play that next song. In our minds, and I'm speaking from like just me and the, the DJs that I rock with, like or the guys who are really masters of their craft. Now, I'm not saying I'm a master of my craft, but I'm, I'm, I have longevity. I'll say that. Like we're two or three songs past that. You know, when, when, when we're giving you song number two after you're listening to song number one, I'm already three or four songs down. I know where I want to go. I once went and took a racing class like uh, when, uh, at, at some speedway, like way upstate. And they were just like, you're going like 200 miles an hour. Shit was in fucking insane. I thought I was going to die. And you're in the car by yourself, right? And the thing they tell you, and it's, it's changed my life hearing this. They're like, if you are only looking right in front of your car, you're going to wreck. You're going to die. You need to be looking like 100 yards down that track because that's where, and, and trust that everything else is going to like flow right in front of you if you're looking that far ahead. 
And when, and they told me that, and I had to do that when we were driving, it's not going to end well for me, but man, I can tell you, first of all, getting back into my regular car, driving home from that was a transformational experience because I've never driven the same again in my life because obviously you have to pay. I mean, you obviously got to like look and see if like a dog goes in front of your car or something like that. But it's just like when you start to like zoom out like that on things, it changes everything. And so I started to realizing that's what I've done as a DJ my entire time. Like I know where I want this party to go. I know where I want this set to go. I know where I want this playlist to go. Right. So for me, it's never about the next song. It's about like a couple things down. And so that's for me the same thing I try to do when we're working with startups. Right. It's just like, okay. I know what your idea looks like now, and I know what your branch should look like now, but have you thought about this as this way? Have you thought about it this way? Have you applied this cultural component to it? Have you thought about talking to this person and, and bringing in this? Because like you're so focused on the now, as you should be, as a founder and as a creator and as a CTO and all of these things, that you have to be focused on the now, right? Because you got but like I can zoom out because I don't need to be focused on the now, and I could potentially offer value in those other ways because that's how my, that's how my brain works. And so, yeah, so, so that's what we do. And we're working with some really, really, really awesome companies right now and, you know, many more to come. And yeah, the goal, the end goal is for my wife and I to eventually have our own fund. I think that's something that we're going to really start figuring out how we could do as a husband and wife team, maybe in the next couple of years. But in the meantime, we're just like, we just do it on our micro level and it's, it's, it's rewarding and it's fascinating. And it's one of my favorite parts of my career right now, to be honest. It's amazing. It's amazing how it's evolved to that level. So amazing. We're going to wrap things up here. You obviously, Mick, are always on a plane, always heading somewhere, moving so fast. What in your life is worth slowing down for? I know you're, you're going to talk about your son. You're going to talk about your newly married. Congratulations on that. How do you unwind with the craziness that is your life? I like to go for like long runs. Uh, it's like, that's very relaxing to me. I finally bought an Apple watch so I could like listen to music, but like not have my phone as a dad. I can never be the guy to go with like no communication as a parent. I just, you know, I don't care if I die off the side of the road and they'll be fine. But like, I worry about if something else happened, like, can I be reached? You know, like, like if, if I got hit by a bus, it'd be like, great. But like if something happened to somebody else and I wasn't reachable, I would never be able to forgive myself. So like, but I found like, you know that you know when you see those like annoying people at the at, at the stoplight and they're, they're running in place because they don't want to stop running. I would be that person, but I'd be scrolling Instagram or I'd run to like some coffee shop really far away to like get a great espresso and run home. And I'm like still looking at my phone and I'm thinking about all the envy and all the jealousy and all the things that we all see, no matter who you are when you look at Instagram and social media. And, and that stays in my head. And so I started thinking like if I'm going to give myself some time, you know, and I'm never going to remove music from my equation because that would just be very much against my my DNA. I was just like, let me do this. I, and, and that was a real game changer for me. You know, the other thing I, I like to do is I just kind of, you know, we started doing that. You'll, you'd love this too. We, maybe one day we'll do this and invite people over. We do, we started to do game night on Sundays where we, we drink, um, we just drink some wine. We play a board game. I play, we're only playing records, vinyl records. We're only doing analog. It's very analog, you know, like we, I'm trying not to even put my phone on the table while we do it, but we open up a great bottle of wine or Miles will drink some juice and we're literally playing like Monopoly and Life and Sorry and, and Battleship and we're playing only records and then, you know, I just got to get up every 15 minutes and flip it over and it's really, it's a great Sunday night detox from the weekend and get you really prepared for like Monday. It's really, and it's, and it's also, it's beautiful. So yeah, that's, that's what we do. I love that. Well, listen, Mick, you've been, you know, 
a great inspiration, a sense of learning, a great friend over the years, and looking forward to doing more with you in the future. And I just want to thank you for joining. So on behalf of the Susie and Adwee team, thanks again to Mick for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Speed of Culture podcast on your favorite podcast platform. On behalf of everyone, thanks again, and we'll see you guys real soon. Take care, everyone. Speed of Culture is brought to you by Susie as part of the Adweek Podcast Network and A-Guest Creator Network. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. To find out more about Susie, head to suzy.com. And make sure to search for the Speed of Culture in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click follow so you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Susie, thanks for listening. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.